Hello there, and welcome to episode 29 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. We're doing a different kind of post-game podcast with the Whitecaps season over. We're doing a Canadian women's team post-game podcast. I'm your host, Michael McCall, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, Steve Pander. Hello to everyone out there. So hopefully we can stay awake during this podcast, because I don't know about you, Steve, but I find that one of the worst and most boring games of football I've seen all year. Well, there were moments when they had some, there was some attack in the beginning of the game and in the second half, but yeah, for the most part, and you know, you were, when we were talking about the podcast itself, you were worried about saying that and, and being branded like as being sexist or something like that, but then we, and we'll hear later from John Herdman that he kind of agreed with you about the whole performance. Yeah, he really wasn't happy, which, which we will hear from John later on. But it started off lively enough. The opening 10, 15 minutes, I thought were, were pretty entertaining. They were going back yeah. and forth and Mexico everything. were quite impressive in, yeah, in that first I think they've, opening they've, period. They quite closed the gap over where we, what we saw them during the qualifying for the Olympics when Canada won 3 nothing, So they've definitely closed the gap on, on, on Canada and are playing. Or it could have been that Canada maybe took them lightly, which uh, is, is a possibility because they feel they should be able to beat them. And that's something else that John Herman said post-game. What, what positives can you take from the game today? Was there any players that really stood out for you? Well, I think that whenever Christine Sinclair steps on the field, she is usually above average, but she wasn't as good as what she normally is. She didn't carry the team. I thought Mexico contained her really well, yeah. which is kind of worrying that if Mexico can do that, what some of the better nations are going to be able to do. Is she maybe getting a bit too old, or people, have they just kind Figured of found her out. out a bit? Yeah, it's, it's, it's troubling, but also you have to look at it that she doesn't have a regular partner, uh, Tancredi, Melissa Tancredi, with her. Um, there are some obviously issues of uh, service from the wings, but those were issues before too, and she was able to perform. Maybe they need to build up the team a little bit more now because uh, she is getting older. She went through a whole season with Portland, um, and she's going to have to deal with all this stuff too. Was well, again without going on about all the things that John Herdman said after the game. That was something that she mentioned as well. Was they, they can't just keep relying on her. They have to get other people that's given her service. And obviously, is going to be missing till about June. And it's just, there doesn't seem to be a top level coming through that's banging the goals in. No, and, and that's where there, she, he mentioned also in the interview, and we'll obviously play this again later, there are three or four players that she, he really wants that he thinks can make a difference for this team. And again, he said that there was just not enough people fighting for the, for the game today. Other, a couple other players, I think Diane Matheson uh, showed a little bit here and there. She was quite strong in the first half. Uh, the second half, she went into the midfield, and that's why they had more possession in the midfield, I felt, because she was in there. She was controlling it. And that, that's where those, those couple of players we're, uh, he's going to mention, um, those, a couple of those guys are, are, are women are, are wing players, and he, they, they've been forced to play Matheson on the wing, which has helped, not helped them in possession in the middle, middle of the pitch. One woman who came on today in the first half, a very early substitution, was 16-year-old Sura Yeka. Yeah, it was, I, I had never heard of her before, so uh, it was interesting, interesting to see. And she actually pushed forward quite a bit um, on the right side. Uh, she, she's obviously got to work on her uh, service. That was a little bit lacking, but uh, that's something a 16-year-old can definitely work on as, as they grow on. But her attack 
mentality going forward with the ball. Uh, she showed a couple of moves, connected well with the, uh, the right winger. So overall, pretty good display. It's only her second appearance with the national team. Of course, you've got the under-17 girls that are have qualified now for the World Cup. So yeah, she'll be a big part of that. So there's definitely some, some talent coming through. So we, we've alluded a lot to what John Herdman said after the game. So let, let's just hear from, from John Herdman now. I think on the game, yeah, frustrating more than anything. A couple of chances uh, for both teams. Uh, you know, I hate coming away from a football match when you've got nil-nil on the scoreline. It's just pretty unfootball-like. So for us, uh, we'll be disappointed in that. But it tells you a bit of a story about you know what we need to add to this team. And I think you know, outside of Christine, we have to bring back the likes of Tancredi as quickly as we can. Cara Lang's return. Jose Belanger, I think three players that could really add goals to this team at this stage. Um, but some bright, uh, some bright parts of the game. I thought some of the uh, the soccer the team played was was very uh, effective. Um, I was impressed with uh, Surieka. I mean, she brought a real bright spark, and if anything, she was pretty much showed uh, the way in terms of a real positive attitude to really take it to Mexico. And I think a couple of players fed off her energy. So. I think that was a real bright spark. We had some good moments. Uh, we're progressing. Uh, you know, at times we were stringing 16, 17 passes together and finishing with a cross or a shot. So I'll take that at this stage. But still a long way off 2015. I mean, the approach was to, to attack down the flanks as much as we can and combine there. I thought the first 15 minutes we were in a good space. It looked like we were going to go on and, and really uh, cause Mexico a bit of, an, a bit of an upset. But uh, it turned round that we just ran out of ideas. It, it just seemed that the first half, I felt sorry for people watching uh, at home or in the stand. It just wasn't a, a, an inspirational, exciting performance. And I think the players knew at half time they, you know, played. People had paid some money to come and watch them play, uh, given their Sundays up, and they, they had to give a bit more. And, and certainly, I thought the second half showed you where I think this team can get to. There were some great passages of play. And I think uh, the injection of Yeka was a, was a big part of that, as well as uh, the injection of people like Adriana Leon. I thought she had a really promising uh, start. Look, you expect to beat Mexico, no disrespect. I mean, this is the, the seventh-ranked team in the world, bronze medalists. And I still think we're three or four players missing to be that team again. And hopefully we can either find those players or get those players back. But um, yeah, I think the, the Mexicans were worth the score today. They, they weren't miles away from Canada and yeah, they had one or two chances to self. Thank God for Aaron McLeod again, made some great saves first half. Today told us a story about players. That's what the game constantly does. Every time we play, it's a story and you read into that what you want. You improved your play in the second half. What do you test that to? Look, we, the ball speed was uh, was just so slow and, and the team in in possession, just out of possession defensively, just wasn't tight enough. It was almost like we were, we thought this was going to be easy for some reason. I think the first 15 minutes we settled into a, an un-Canadian rhythm. We just lost the tempo and intensity and I expect the team to be a little bit more imposing than that. So it was about tightening the team up. We showed them some video at half time. 
about where the midfield players were picking the ball up. It was always in front of the whole Mexican team. We needed to pick it up in areas that caused them more problems. So adjusting that made a big difference, and they just moved it a lot more slicker across the uh, across the width of the pitch. So yeah, I was happy with the second half. If we'd started like that, it could have been a different game. No, no update. No update. Uh, I've got no idea yet. Uh, we'll consult the medical team, but uh, she's safe, so that's the main thing. How do you feel about Kyla showing to play first half? Yeah, just okay. Just okay. And that's that's been one of the challenges. You know, we've thrown out. Uh, look, I'm not gonna. Um, lie about players, you know, they've been given chances, I've brought in 13 new faces and players have to rip the shirt off people to get in this squad, I mean it's a bronze winning medal team, we know that that left back position is an area we're trying to strengthen and players when they get that chance have got to take it, so to go in and play just okay, it might be enough, it might not be, but at this stage for me it's, it's, it's not enough. And it's not enough for any player that comes on and just plays okay for Canada. Right, question. Are you, does it disappoint you when you don't see what you want to see from players when they're given that chance? Does, does that bother you as a coach? Yeah, you're starting to see that, aren't you, in my body language. It's, um, look, I, I just know how much that shirt is worth to people. And, you know, if you, if you get a chance to play in front of 20,000 people who pay money to come watch the team, I just expect people to you know, players to give everything they've physically got, mentally got. And look, you're either on or you're off. And you have bad days as, as players, and I'll accept that. But, yeah, I, I, I think at this stage we just want more. That's that's the reality. We, we need more from players that are coming in and trying to, to grab shirts. I thought Adriana Leon was a great example of how to play your way into a team. I thought Suryeka at 16 was a great example of how to play your way into a team. So I think, look, you're not singling players out today. I'm not trying to do that, but it's just knowing that if you're going to play for Canada, you better be bloody good and be good every game. So that was a rather unhappy John Herdman there post-game. We'll hear now as well from a couple of the players, goalkeeper Erin McLeod and captain Christine Sinclair. Uh, today was just a lot more about process um, and obviously we're trying to possess the ball a lot more and uh, you know getting our midfielders on the ball as much as we can and um, to be honest we prepared for Mexico um, basically the only way they came at us we weren't uh, necessarily ready for and um, you know, it took us a while to adjust, but once we did, I thought in the second half we were playing really well, uh, moving around, and I think overall, uh, you know, you know, we will obviously want to win, um, but the things that we were focused on, uh, we worked on throughout the game, so I think uh, we can all be pretty proud of that. John, John said that he thought that in the first 15 minutes, he thought that you guys maybe thought it was going to be an easy game. Did you, did you feel that looking at the team from, from yeah, I mean, uh, I remember when we played in the qualifiers, they played um, basically in a deep block in the first half, and then they pressed us the second half. Um, so we expected them to come out with the press, but they didn't. And, um, you know, like uh, the first uh, yeah, the first 10 minutes, I thought uh, it was going to be awesome. And then Mexico, they're a quality team and very crafty, and they kept coming at us in waves. So, um, you know, props to them. Aaron, did you talk about how well Sarah Yeka played when she came in in the first half? Yes. I'm very proud of Sarah. I remember in Edmonton, I, I asked her if she'd enjoy the game, and she go, no, I didn't. And I'm like, why? And she's like, I was just too nervous. So, 
Today, I think she got the nerves, you know, uh, out of the way, and I thought she had a great performance. Um, she is 16 years old, so um, I'm very excited. I think the whole team's excited to see, um, you know, the future that this woman has. And you yourself, you made a couple of big saves in the first half to keep your team in it. Yeah, um, you know, I think um, it's time for a lot of us older players to step up as leaders and, um, you know, we are always aiming to, to keep the goals out of the net and, um, you know, that's my job. Uh, disappointed. Uh, I actually think we might have played a little better than we did against South Korea, uh, but, yeah, we didn't bury the chances we got. Just disappointed we didn't finish one for the fans. You had a few chances yourself. Do you feel a bit frustrated having that score? No, I mean, as a team, I think we're frustrated that we didn't score. Yeah, uh, There are a few of us that had some, some pretty good chances. So, yeah, I think as a group, we're frustrated we didn't score. So we're joined now in the podcast for someone that we've wanted to have on for all season. So I'm glad to welcome her now. You'll know her on Twitter as Har Journalist. Welcome, Har. Hey, guys. How's it going? Really good, and, and you're our expert on the Can- Canadian women's national team. You're the people that I, the person that I go to for all my news. And thanks to your tweets today for actually letting me know who was coming on and who they were, and all the stuff in the game. So you are a resident female football expert. Thank you very much. What did you make of the game today? It was not a very pleasant game to watch. I thought throughout the 90 minutes, I didn't feel like anyone was going to score, maybe other than Christine Sinclair. There just wasn't a consistent threat throughout the game for either team. They got a few chances here or there, but both goalkeepers, Karina and Aaron, were fantastic for Canada. And Cecilia Santiago, you could arguably say she was uh, the player of the match. Do you feel that possibly Canada underestimated Mexico because they'd beaten them quite comfortably in the Olympic qualifiers? They're ranked higher than them in the world. Do you think there was maybe an element they just felt they had to turn up today and, and just get the win. Yeah, I definitely think so. And talking to the players following the match, they disagreed. But if you watched, you watched the match, and you've been to the training sessions. Canada's been in here, been in Vancouver since they beat Korea three 0 last month. So they've had residency. They've had a lot of training, a lot of practices. They've had a lot of time to get familiar with each other and work together. As Mexico, they, half the team arrived here on Saturday. They only had one practice in Vancouver, and you know Canada should have played a lot better. I felt that they should have at least scored a couple of goals uh, on paper, but they just didn't have it today. Do you feel that Mexico closed the gap on Canada a little bit uh, since you know obviously the Olympic qualifying, or has it been? Do you think this is just an underperformance by Canada? I think it's just an underperformance by Canada. They have a lot of great players. They have a, a key, strong core, a center of the team. And I just think they underestimated the team. They didn't come out of the gate, you know, ready to play, I thought. I thought they were slow. I thought for the second game in a row, they depended on Aaron McLeod to come up with a few big saves. They just didn't have it. Now, we heard from John Herdman earlier, and you alluded to it as well, and we talked about it at the start of the show. There isn't really, with Melissa Tancredi out at the moment, there's no one really up there supporting Christine Sinclair. From, from all the players that you've seen, because I know you follow the, the women's game at all levels, is there any players coming through that you think are going to make the breakthrough that we're going to maybe see at the World Cup for Canada, playing up front and scoring goals for, for Canada? Well, they're really relying heavily on Melissa Tancredi to be that person. And she's not involved with the team right now. She's with uh, she's in St. Louis doing her chiropractic degree. 
So uh, John Herdman's he's, he's had Adriana Leon in. He's had uh, Brittany Baxter. Now that she's healthy, she can play with Christine. And uh, really, injury has really derailed Chelsea Buckland, the Delta BC native who's had two ACL surgeries in the last two years. During the CONCACAF tournament, she was a great partner up top with Christine, and she's not there, so that's someone Canada doesn't have. And there's another player playing in um, the Australian Women's League right now, Christina Julian. She is also a forward, and so I think she's going to get a good chance to uh, see if she can uh, form some chemistry with, with Christine before the uh, Women's World Cup. Now, John mentioned that they're not going to be looking to bring any players in that you know unconfirmed tournament that's going to happen in December in South America. Uh, do you know of any players that uh, those players that he mentioned and maybe some others that could be those players that come up like say for example the a player that most Whitecaps fans know uh, Summer Clark do you like uh, some somebody like that in the in the in the NCAA that could help him not maybe not in December tournament but maybe in uh, 2014 well, they've got a Kadisha Buchanan on defense yeah. she's also uh, a university and Summer Clark is very interesting name you heard a lot about her uh, last year and Caleb's she, sister for, for yes. those that don't know I don't know what she's thinking I don't know where she is why she's not involved more well with, she's with LSU right she, now she is but last year at yeah. the December yeah, camp she pulled out of the camp she uh, she declined a camp invitation yeah. I asked John about that he wasn't sure why and he told me to go knock on her door and ask her but <laughs> we don't know what Summer Clark's thinking we don't know if she wants to play for Canada internationally at the senior level and uh, she she would be good for Canada to have. Yeah. Could it be just maybe she's her? concentrating on college or something like that? She doesn't want to get involved. It's right possible. Because Caleb obviously went to the national team recently, so it's not like the family's got something against the Canadian you know, program or whatever. Well, maybe now with Caleb getting the senior call-up, she's maybe going to feel more like coming into the into the cell. Yeah, probably. She's not going to get any, too many more opportunities with the World Cup 18 months away. Now, talking of the World Cup that's coming up, this is our dress rehearsal really at BC Plays for the tournament that's going to get held here in 2015. Now anyone that followed you here on Twitter will have known that you were in Europe over this summer and you were over at the Euros there. How did you find that whole experience? Yeah, I covered the uh, UEFA Women's Euro 2013 in Sweden this summer. It was a great experience. It was phenomenal, phenomenal to watch all the uh, European women teams compete and they've got a lot of really good teams over there. And uh, coming into the tournament, I thought some of the bigger teams would do really well. Some of the smaller teams that are, are not as successful. I thought they would struggle a bit, but watching the tournament, the gap was closed a lot, a lot smaller than I anticipated. So it really is, you know, almost any team can be beaten on any given day in women's football, except maybe uh, our neighbors to the south. So from, from the European teams that you saw at the tournament, is there any that you think are going to be real, real ones to watch when it comes to 2014? Now, obviously, Scotland weren't at the Euros, but they're, they're topping their group, so I'm tipping them as the, as the team to watch. But from the teams that you saw, what European nations do you think are going to be big threats at the 2015 World Cup? We've always got to go, I think, the big three. Sweden, Germany, France. Sweden uh, is getting older. They're getting up there. Uh, but will they They've even be there because they're in Scotland's group? And Scotland's topping them just now. Well, they've played more games in Sweden. Yes, one. Anyways, they've got Pia Sundhag at the helm, and she's a god in Sweden. She's really running the team. They're really gelling together with Pia as the coach. And they've got Lotte Schellen, Kostovari Aslani, and uh, Caroline Seeger and uh, Neela Fischer as the anchors back there. So uh, the Sweden team's a, a very formidable opponent for 
Women's World Cup if they make it. And uh, France, they underperformed at the Euros. They got knocked out. So the typical of the men's team a little bit. Uh, yeah. France. Uh, but they also, like, I, a lot of people said they underperformed at the bronze game uh, against Canada they as did. well. Yeah. They, uh, they fired their coach, uh, Bruno Bini. Yeah. So they've got a new coach. They've, half the team plays for Olympic Lyon. Okay. So they've got great chemistry. They're always a threat. It's just whether they can, you know, put it, up, put it together and live up to the hype that they have created for themselves. But I think the biggest threat for that tournament is going to be Germany out of Europe. They, I have to check, they, they've won the last five or six Euros in a row. Yeah, which was very surprising that they mm -hmm. didn't make the Olympics at all. I always thought that they would be in the, uh, the, the, obviously something happened during the qualifying there. And they had a lot of injuries at the Euro. So they had to bring in a lot of youth players, a lot of youngsters, and they had an opportunity to shine. And they won the tournament. Nadine Angerer is, a, I think she's the best goalkeeper in women's football. She stopped two PKs in that match, led her team to gold. With Germany, if they get an injury, a sus suspended player or someone who can't you know, make play the game, they just bring the next player up, next player up. It's like the men's team, there's no difference. They're just a, a machine. They just turn out great players, and I think they're going to be a huge threat to Canada, the U.S., Japan, anyone who makes it to that World Cup. Now, how did you find the whole organization of the Euros? And what was the press coverage like there? Was there a lot of interest from the media over there? Because okay. I know it's still a growing sport in a lot of countries. Press, uh, press wise, mm. it was the uh, most requested accreditation for the, a women's euro. They had the most fan support, attendance wise. They had uh, television audiences, uh, television cameras in uh, a lot of countries that they've not had before. So there was a lot of t television coverage. So okay. yeah, the press was uh, very interested in the team. And in Sweden, Sweden, they love women's football. So it was just an automatic that they would get behind the team and support the, the tournament. And that's just what happened, it followed. Just the last thing we want to ask you, it's something which we, speak to, we spoke to Peter Mintopoli about earlier. Um, and we're, we're gonna play that in a few minutes for you. The, the whole fact that Canada doesn't have a professional women's team, club team. Um, there's no Canadian teams in the NWSL, there's no professional women's teams in Canada. Do you think that's hurting the programme here? Do you think it's really strange that Canada's hosting a World Cup and there's no professional women's team or women's league in this country? I don't think it's strange, but I will say I definitely do think it hurts the development of the Canadian players on Canada. If you have to go play in the NWSL or overseas in Sweden or another a league you know you're not exactly going to get first minutes all the time unless you're a Christine Sinclair or a well-known player. I was talking to uh, John Herdman this week at training and I know with the Mexican coach he's been unhappy with the amount of playing time his players received in the NWSL this past season and John's not had a problem with the playing time, he's left it up to the NWSL coaches, but it would be great if you know, Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, if they had some sort of a women's professional team situated in the city. A lot of, uh, the, Vancouver, a lot of the women's players for Canada, they make Vancouver their off-season home. Yeah. A lot have played for the Vancouver Whitecaps in previous years. I would think it would be a no-brainer to have a women's team here, but money talks, and if you don't have a, an ownership that wants to bring a team and build that, then it's not going to happen. I, uh, in my personal feeling, and, and he mentioned this too, that I think they want to see what happens after the World Cup, and they want to see that interest grow. Um, I don't. They've they've the Whitecaps have done something like this. I think it was the A League. 
before, and it just and and it was I think it was a little bit their fault too because they kept moving stuff around from stadium to stadium, but then make one thing central. Um, but I think they just want to get this growing through the World Cup and then maybe bring something in later because they've they've shown and they still have that uh, elite program for uh, girls. So I think they probably still do something with well, that. The, the White Cats played in the PCSL this year and they kind of walked it. They won the honours in it and they they were beating teams by huge margins. Yeah. So I, I don't see how that really helps the girls' development to, no. to be doing that. But anyway, thanks for joining us, Har. It's been great to talk to you. We will have you on more next year. And for everyone, follow her on Twitter, at Har Journalist. That's H-A-R. So as we mentioned there, we spoke to Peter Montopoli, who is the CEO of the National Organising Committee for the FIFA 2015 World Cup. He was at BC Place for the Canada-Mexico game, and he spoke to media at halftime. So this is some of the questions that we and some of the other people asked him. So he's going to talk about the state of BC Place turf, turf pitches in general at the World Cup and the fact that there is no Canadian teams in the NWSL. So this is Peter Montopoli. I'm sure this is something that has come to your attention. Uh, almost 4,000 women, mostly women, uh, have signed a petition that the World Cup 2015 be played on grass, not turf. Is this something that uh, you have any concerns about? No. Uh, again, you know, I think we've stated it many times. Um, a couple of things. One is we've, we've bid on specifications uh, that we put in many years ago. Uh, we always said it would be artificial turf and we're continuing with that. We're working with FIFA to ensure that they're two-star quality, uh, which is the requirement. And really, you know, when we look at our country, that's really what we have to offer and that's what we bid against. So we're very comfortable in, in what, what we're providing for the competition. When you say that's what we have to offer, we can't offer grass? No, in, in the specifications that we have with the stadiums, uh, the, the way it's configured financially and timing, it is the alternative that we presented to FIFA and FIFA had accepted. So we're, we're, FIFA and ourselves are comfortable in the position that we have. Is the plan just now to replace the turf? At Not at this uh, point in time, no. Because players like Robbie Keane have been really critical of the turf here. Yeah, he, he may have. At this point in time, we don't have the plans to, to change the turf here. But we'll be reviewing it each and every year prior to coming in 2015 to see if anything has to be modified or if there has to be any changes. Uh, BC Place isn't one of the venues for the 2014 World Cup. Are there plans to have other events here? before the, the main World Cup kicks off? Yeah, that'll be part of the plans. We're, we're trying to take a look at what are the best opponents to bring to the community here and the availability of the stadium. So we'll have further announcements as we get into uh, 2014. Are you hoping to get any professional women's clubs in Canada to help out with that process? You, in terms of being part of the NWSL? Yeah. Well, you know, it would be great if we could convince some owners to do that, but we're, we're really not in that position now. We're probably, to be fair, looking at the conclusion of 2015 and the success of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2015 to, to garner that interest from ownership groups to say, hey, playing in Canada as part of a Canadian Women's Professional League is a viable financial opportunity. And I think we'll get there when we get to 2015. We hope so, anyways. Is it not somewhat strange that Canada is hosting a World Cup but there's no professional women's teams in the country? I don't know. I wouldn't look at it that way. Here's why. We might be able to break 
an attendance record for FIFA with 1.5 million spectators, the largest attended FIFA event for the FIFA Women's World Cup Canada 2015. And by doing so, we would have larger attendance in the Winter Olympics, and then the outcome of that will be that we might have professional soccer in our country. Uh, it's hard to say uh, prior to that, but I, I'm almost convinced following that there would be great excitement for women's soccer, and I would say professional soccer would be a, a successful outcome of that. If you were to have a, what they call a big, hairy, audacious goal and vision for 2015, what would that be? Well, I kind of just said it. It, it. Right now, if we have, if we can, you know, get 1.5 million spectators to come to 52 matches across the country. It's almost an approximate attendance of 30,000 people per match. Uh, our, our country firmly engaged in the sport of soccer, male and female, youth, senior, inspiring in a whole generation like the, the Vancouver Olympics did with attendance of 1.5 million, uh, millions of people watching on TV, coming to Canada, uh, the world coming to Canada, Canada playing in the championship match here at BC Place. I think that would be a great success for all of us. So we're gonna end this week's show moving away from the Canadian women's national team and onto some little Vancouver Whitecaps tidbits. Although there's not really too much to talk about, but of course the main talking point, Steve, is still who is going to, to be the new manager and when is it going to be announced? Yeah, and we got a little bit of uh, a bit of information from an unlikely source, Prince George Citizen. Uh, there was an article written up. It was written by Jason Peters. Um, he, he It was basically an overall on the Whitecaps uh, end of season stuff. Uh, but there was an interesting quote at the end of the article and I'll just read it verbatim here. When he was asked, when Bobby Leonard Duty was asked about uh, the coaching search, he said, uh, quote, we have one person in particular that we're trying to confirm, and there are others, if he is not able to do so, that we can, that we think can do a good job for us. So it certainly sounds like they've made their mind up who they want. Who their number one choice is now. And they're just waiting to see if that person actually wants a job. Yeah. So that's kind of an interesting way of looking at it as well, because... Why is the person not jumping at the chance to take the job? Is, is that person torn or is there other commitments? Is there other offers to this person and they're just kind of weighing it up? Yeah. Would, would the Whitecaps then be the first choice for this person? Yeah. We can only speculate who it is. So, of course, Carol Robinson is still the person that lots of people are naming for the job. But, I mean, Carol is going to have offers from, from elsewhere uh, in Europe, in MLS. And if the Whitecaps don't act quickly and if Carol Robinson's the guy that they want, they might not even get Carl. Yeah, because you know, Robinson could think that you know it's not going to happen, and you don't. If there's a better, uh, not even a better offer, but if there's an offer on the table, you have to think of your family, and even if it means moving and everything like that, you have to take it if it's it's a good enough offer and more secure in this way. Definitely. So we'll see how that plays out. I feel like we're going to hit here within the next fortnight as to what's happening with the Whitecaps. So we'll keep you posted on that. So just before we wrap up, I think we just have to say a big well done to the SFU clan, for reaching sure. the final four for the second year running. 5-0 demolition of Regis University in Colorado today. Yes, and I have always hated Regis. I prefer Michael Strahan over Regis any day of the week. <laughs> well, they're also called Regis Rangers. Anything called Rangers, I'm glad they got humped. Yeah, so but, it, was but, a, it was a huge 5-0 oh, victory. It, was a big... it just shows how farcical that fourth ranking, which we said all along, the fourth ranking of, of SFU, they should never have been ranked fourth in the West. 
They've reached the final four. Well done to Alan Koch and the boys. We're going to be doing Clan Week again next week, which yes. was popular last year. It's so watch not, out for that. It's, remember, SFU Clan, not the other clan. Clan with a C. So that's all for this week's show. So thanks to Har for joining us earlier. Steve, tell us where we can find you on Twitter. You can find me at WhitecapsBeat and obviously writing for AFTN on Canadian Soccer News. And you can find all our stuff on Canadian Soccer News at AFTN.ca. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. And if you want to drop us a line about anything, AFTNCanada at Hotmail.com. So until next time, thanks for listening, take care, and mon the caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.